at Elevate Ministries. Uh, if, you're, if this is your first time here, let me introduce you to our mission. Our mission is to change our world one person at a time. And the way we do that is we each one reach one, each one teach one, each one unleash one. And, and so here's what that means. That means that we're not trying to get to put, put on a nice service for you to attend once a week. What we're trying to do is help you get out what God's placed inside of your heart. We believe that God's created us all different. We've got different personalities. We've got different preferences. We've got different giftings. We've got uniqueness. And that's not random. That's, that's, that's actually on purpose. God created us that way. It's his strategy to make us so different and then bring us together as the church so we can do a great thing for God. Many parts all coming together in one body. And so at Elevate Ministries, I just got to let you know no, we are passionate about helping you get connected, connected to God, connected to each other, connected to your purpose. And so the pathway that we choose to do that is something that we call eConnect. Somebody say eConnect. E if you're wondering what eConnect is, then that means that this plug is for you. eConnect is a simple online course. It's a, a series of videos that kind of let you know about Elevate Ministries, what we're a part of, what we're about. It's, it's a way for you to kind of get to know us. And then we have a couple of different assessments where we can get to know you. And then we come together and we help each other. We work together to plug you into the family of God and get you involved in the way that we feel or the way that, that, that we see that God has gifted you. It's important that you get out what God's in your heart. Amen. All right. And so this is a painless and fun and rewarding thing that you can be a part of. And you say, well, I really would like to do that. Well, all you have to do right now is get out your phone and text connect to 714-970-4716. Te text the word connect to 974-970-4716. Amen. Uh, the other thing that we would like to do today is, is, is we would like to um, invite anyone here this morning, if, you're, if you brought an offering or a tithe, to give to the Lord. We want to give you an opportunity to do that. There's several ways you can. There's, there's, there's some envelopes behind the chairs, and we've got new pens we got new pens. I don't know if you notice those new pens. You can check them out. If you take it, you can, you can keep it, but it says this pen was stolen from Elevate Ministries. <laughs> so we're going to finally find out where our pens are going. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, there's, there's envelopes you can give uh, with those envelopes, and you can just drop those envelopes in the, uh, the blue lit up boxes in the back. Also, you can give electronically. We use PushPay for our giving platform. It is the safest and securest giving platform uh, available. And uh, we do that for you to protect your finances and also to be good stewards over the church's finances. You can do that by scanning this code. That'll take you right to that platform or going right to our app. You can also give right from our app. Just a very easy way to do that. We just wanna thank everyone for your giving. Church couldn't exist without, the, without faithful people giving their finances to fund the work of the ministry. That's the only way it's possible, and we just want to thank everyone uh, for, for your giving. I did want to do one more plug. We have a prayer hotline here at Elevate Ministries. The prayer hotline, I, I, asked, I asked you a few weeks back to go ahead and plug that in as one of your contacts, and uh, you can you just want to remind you of that. Our prayer hotline is, is 888-970-3961. I'm not sure if we have that up there, but I want to just let you know, all you have to do is text your prayer request to that line. There's a whole team of people that are praying literally around the clock all week long to cover those requests, and what's been really cool is on Saturday morning, we've We've had some of these prayer requests. God's answering them, and we've been we've been highlighting those and 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 uh, praising the Lord for what He's doing amongst us. So it's exciting. So so if you if you would like that number, all you have to do this is it. Ready? It's eight 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 nine seven zero three nine six one, and all you do is text whatever prayer request you have to that number, and there's a team of people that are going to grab those requests and and are going to pray with you for that. Amen. I do want to point out a hero, all right? I'm going to point out a hero, right? I don't know if you know that amongst us, we had someone run the Boston Marathon. The Boston Marathon. I don't, I don't know if that's, that, that, that may not sound like a big deal to you, but in order just to qualify to run this thing, you have to complete a run of 26.2 miles in under three hours. 
just to qualify, just to be able to, we had someone from our congregation fly all the way from Southern California to Boston to, to run the Boston Marathon. And he did it in two hours, 34 minutes and 59 seconds. That equals out to, to, to literally five minutes and 53 second average per mile for 26 miles. That's insane. That's, that's literally insane. I'd like us all, let's, let's, let's invite Juan Gonzalez up here. Let's give him a big round of applause. Can we do that? Let's go. Come on. That's deserving of some high praise. Come on up here. We're so proud of you, man. That is so cool. Like, so cool. We were in the office on, on, on Tuesday, we were in the office, and we spent a good portion of our staff meeting trying to figure out how fast that is. Like, oh my gosh, I, I, I looked at them, I said, it can't be right. It can't, there's no way he did it in that speed. And like, no, I got the evidence right here. It's right here on the app. Literally under six minute mile for 26 miles. That's, that's amazing. We, we know that your shoes got worn out on that. And so as a church, we're gonna buy you a brand new pair of shoes so you can keep running, all right? We love you so much, Juan. That's so cool. Uh, thank you guys. Thank you, everybody. Um, I do want to say this. Um, this was a, a long journey for me to get up there. Um, and uh, I do want to thank God for um, everything that he did, at, you know, on my way to Boston. Um, when we were uh, training, um, there was a couple times where I had pains and when, when I had aches. And um, I remember um, specifically, we were at the gym. Um, I was running with Annie. And, um, and I had this just nagging pain on my knee. And, and I told her, I can't, I can't finish my, my workout. And she said, remember what Rex Crane said? Like, if we pray and he, God is willing to, and able to, to heal. So I, I said, okay, let's, let's pray right here in the gym. And so she prayed and, um, and I con continued my stretching and my, and my warm up. And then it's like the pain was never there. So, so that happened a couple times, you know, throughout, throughout the, the training session, but God, 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 God was there and I could feel the prayers, you know, on that race day because uh, honestly, I wasn't planning to run that fast. Um, and, it, and something just, uh, just, just made it seem easy. Yeah. Come on, big round. That's so cool. <laughs> he says, I felt a few aches and pains. You think? <laughs> you think it's so so cool we're so proud proud to be a part of a church there's a lot of stars in this church there, there really really is I don't know if some of you might have come on Wednesday night Wednesday night we've been having um, a, a group of guys have been attending an effective communications class it's an e-group taught by Pastor Carl he's been talking to talking to guys that want to eventually someday preach the gospel minister the word teach teach the word and and so we've been taking this class with this with a, with a, with a pretty good-sized chunk of guys from our church that say, you know what, I'd like to speak someday. And, and, and so this past Wednesday was their first assignment. And so we had three of them that got up on Wednesday to preach. And, and so we heard from Michael Saucida, we heard from Angel Hernandez, and we heard from Scotty Peters. And I'm telling you right now, Wednesday night, these guys crushed it. It was, it was a fantastic, such a wonderful, wonderful time. And, and it's, it's awesome to be a part of a church where so many people can minister the word. Like, speaking of, last Sunday, Big Thunder himself, Bryn Grable, come on, what a word. Wasn't that great? Wasn't that great? I mean, Rick, Rick at the gym has been greeting us every morning. He's been calling us Big Thunder. As soon as we walk in, he's talking to us as Big Thunder. How many, how many were using that all week long? I was. I was. I was. What a, what a, what a tremendous, tremendous word. And so anyways, this, these, these Wednesdays, the services that... that, that, that excuse me, the, the assignment for these, these guys to minister was to preach the miracles of Jesus. And so we're going through nine different miracles of Christ and we're trying to break them apart and maybe look into them a little bit deeper. And so Michael Saucita talked about blind Bartimaeus. Angel talked about Jesus calming the storm. Scotty Peters talked about feeding in the 5,000. And, and it was just a, a tremendous time. But as being a part of that class myself, I started to, to contemplate the miracles of Jesus because there's stuff that's behind the curtain. 
Like there's so many things in God's word that if you'll just dig a little bit and you'll just look a little harder and look a little bit closer, you'll discover things that God may be speaking to you that can help you in your walk with God. And, and so I began to do that. All of a sudden I began to think about listening to these guys minister. I began to think about some of the miracles of Christ in a new way and started to try to see something different in them. And, and so Scotty's speaking about the Jesus feeding the 5,000 and all of a sudden, and I had a few thoughts that I wanted to share this morning on this Sunday, a couple takeaways that maybe can help us uh, as we navigate our life in serving Christ. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at that miracle in John, the book of John, John chapter 6, and we're going to read that story. Now, the, the, the miracle of the Jesus feeding the 5,000, it actually is in every gospel. So you can read it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But, but every gospel has a little bit different cadence to it, has a little bit different, uh, um, um, a little bit different perspective on the actual miracle. And I actually, I actually really like John's version because John kind of exposes some details that you don't see in the other accounts. He kind of takes us behind the scenes in a way that the other gospel writers don't. And I'm fascinated personally with behind the scenes stuff. Like, I like to peel back layers of God's word and, 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 and try to see things differently than what would meet the eye in, in a natural, quick reading of scripture. And this particular text is certainly that, and I'd love to journey with it with, it, with you this morning. John chapter six, uh, we're gonna begin with verse five, and the Bible says that Jesus looked up, and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, and he said, Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And so Philip said, it would take more than a half a year's wages. In another translation, it says eight months. It would take more than eight months salary to buy enough bread for each one to even have one bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother spoke up and he said, hey, here's a boy with five small loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? And so Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place. They sat down, about 5,000 men plus women and children. So we're talking about a crowd of approximately 15,000 people. This is a large crowd of people. And Jesus took the loaves, and he, th he thanked God for them, and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the exact same thing with the fish. And when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over and let nothing be wasted. And so they gathered them and filled the baskets with, filled the 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over for those who had eaten. And so this morning, I want to minister a sermon I've entitled Leftovers, The Miracle of the Discarded. And, and I, I want to just talk to you about a couple things that I see happening in this text. And so the first one is going to be free, but I think it really relates to a church like ours. There's, there's a, lot of, a lot of insight that we can get. And one of the things that's happening, aside from Jesus just feeding all these people, because, because we know that's astounding. I mean, we could talk a lot about that. We could talk for weeks just about that simple fact that Jesus fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. But, but Jesus is actually allowing this circumstance, this set of, set of circumstances, he's actually allowing it to be an opportunity to grow his disciples. He's trying to plant something in them. He's trying to help them with their journey in, in following Jesus. So before he launches his idea to the disciples, the first thing he does is ask them, where should we buy enough bread for these people to eat? Now, what I want you to remember is Jesus asked this question and these disciples have no idea what's about to transpire. These guys have no, there's been no precedent set on what Jesus is about to do. He's never done a miracle like this. This has never happened. All right, so if, if we were asked the question by Jesus, well, how are we gonna feed these 15,000 people? We would have the answer. There's some five fish and two, you know, there's, there's two loaves, I mean, five loaves and two fish, you can do it, right? We would, we would know the answer. These disciples have never been there before. Jesus has never done a miracle like this before, and it's not like he's done this a few different times, so they have no idea what's about to go down, and they have no expectation of what's about to come next. And so what really makes me think is this, 
is that Jesus asked them, how are we going to do this? He asked them, how are we going to feed these people? He said, where are we going to buy bread for all these people? But verse 6 says that he asked them this question only to test them. Because he already knew what he was going to do. He already knew what he was going to do. Doesn't this sound a little unfair? Come on, let's think about it for a second. Doesn't this sound a little, aren't you supposed to get tested on the things you already know? Like on the information you've already gathered, that's what you're supposed to be tested on. But these disciples are being tested on something they have no idea about. They're being tested without any background, without any knowledge whatsoever. And this tells me that if God ever asks you something obvious, that means there's something not obvious going on. All right, and so what really makes me think is he's asking them this question. And, and I think he's asking them this question for this reason. He's trying to expose to the disciples that you already know more than you think you know. And God knows that you know more than you think you know. So I want to say to you today, you know more than you think you know. You know more than you give yourself credit of knowing. And God knows you know more than you think you know. And so here's Jesus. He's not asking them this question because he knows they have no idea. Jesus is trying to find out from his disciples. He's trying to locate them. He's trying to find out how solution oriented these dudes are. He's trying to determine the size of their possibility thinking. Are you grabbing this? He, he's testing them with this massive idea. Now, I think it's interesting that he doesn't test them with the small stuff. Like, like he's not testing them with, 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 with uh, how in the world are we going to pay our rent? He's not testing them with a little tiny issue that they could possibly be having. He's testing them with something that is so crazy and so wild and so outside their normal scope. And I think he's testing them this way because he's trying to maybe help us maybe think differently on the things that we actually consider a test. The things that we actually consider challenging. I think a lot of times what we give credit to being a test and being a challenge is just everyday stuff. And Jesus is trying to say, wait a second, I'm testing, I don't test you with the, with the little things. I'm going to test you with the big stuff. And the reason he's testing us up here is because he's trying to get us to reach down inside and pull out from within us an idea and a suggestion that may get our thinking from down here to on his level. He's trying to pull our minds up into the same neighborhood where he lives. Because how many know his ways aren't our ways and his thoughts aren't our thoughts? And so Jesus is trying to get his disciples to think like he thinks. And so Philip in the story is the first one to speak up. And I, I think Philip represents all the logical people in the room. How many logical thinkers we have in here? The, the two plus two equals four and always trying to make everything work out and, and all the logical people, logical thinkers. Philip represents the one who will give you every reason why something cannot happen. Come on, 10 o'clock, are you with me today? He's, he's going to try to give them all, all he, Philip is going to try to say, Jesus, I've just done the math. Like, I, I've just figured out how many people here, I, I just figured out, I, I've, I've kind of calculated, you know, how much we earn, and, and, and he says, eight months wages won't even give these people one bite. Eight months wages, Jesus won't fix this problem. And so he's got this logical concoction as if Jesus would be so impressed with Philip's economical answer to a question that doesn't have a, 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 an, an economical answer. All right, come on, think about it for a second. This is, this is, this is a, something that is not able to be fixed with a math equation. This is, this, is the, this is the opportunity for a miracle. So then Andrew chips in. And Andrew represents all the people that would rather ask for forgiveness than for permission, all right? And so Andrew chips in, and, and, he, and he says this. He says, he says well, uh, I saw a young kid. He's got five loaves and a couple of fish. Now, I just want you to think about this for a second. We're either going to be Philip or we're going to be Andrew. We're going to be one of the two. When we get around the things of God and when we see how God works, you're either going to be a Philip who's going to think logically or you're going to be an Andrew. 
Andrew represents the glass half full people. How many people we got like that in the room? You all have been to jail more than once, all right? Those, type, those types of people, all right? And Andrew says, there's, there's, there's a boy here. He's got five small barley loaves and two small fish. And it's like he's coming up with this idea. I, I saw somebody with some food. And you can just imagine the scene. As he says that, all the 11 other disciples are looking at him like, you are so stupid. Right? There's 15,000 people here, Andrew, and you, you, found, you found five loaves of bread and two fish. Like, like that is the, why would you even open your mouth right now? That's kind of, you can picture the disciples looking at him. And because they're looking at him like that, he says, uh, but how far will that go with so many people? That's, that's basically what, what you see happening right here. And so he pitches the idea, he realizes it's far-fetched, and he pulls it back in. That's exactly what's happening. He offers the idea, but doesn't want to sound dumb, so he adds that little comment at the end. And what he doesn't realize is that this suggestion just opened up the possibility of a miracle. That, that, that he doesn't realize that his idea was simply the beginning of a possibility. Andrew says, there's five small, small barley loaves and two small fish. Now, you do realize that when Jesus asked his disciples, hey, where are we gonna buy this stuff? Jesus never intended to buy anything. You do recognize that. He had no intention. He used the word buy to see whether or not they would answer him literally because they couldn't buy it. Logically speaking, they couldn't do it. So, so he asked them the question, where are we gonna buy it? To see if it would launch other ideas in their minds. And the reason I want to point this out in this message today is because I feel like this is great strategy for leaders, for parents, for mentors, and for teachers. Good leaders are willing to appear stuck sometimes. Are you with me today? Good leaders are willing to appear like they don't have an answer, like they don't know what to do. And the reason they do that is to leave room for you to come up with an answer. So Jesus is with his disciples, they've got this massive problem, 15,000 people need to be fed, and he intentionally appears that he doesn't know what to do, even though John makes it clear that he does know what to do, that he had already in mind exactly what he was going to do, but he held that back, why? To allow room for them to come up with what they wanted to do. Do you see that? I think if, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you're the guy that's always telling everybody what you think needs to get done, don't be surprised when everybody just falls in line with what you say, which means none of us grow, none of us think for ourselves because we don't have to. And so as a parent, as a leader, develop the skill with the people that you're investing in, develop the skill that Jesus is modeling right here to learn to say nothing in order to allow room for someone else to say something. That's how we grow. And that's why our goal at Elevate Ministries is to help you get out what's in your heart. We're not here to dictate what you do. We value empowerment, and we say it like this. We say you are important in God's plan. And so here's Andrew. He comes up with this crazy idea with five loaves and two fish, and Jesus goes with his idea. I mean, don't you find that astounding? We still don't know what Jesus' idea was. Right? He had an idea. We'll never know what it was because he didn't even go with his idea. He went with Andrew's idea. All right? Because even though he had in mind what he was going to do, he went with a weak kind of, sort of uh, uh, idea with an apology attached to it. But he took hold of that weak excuse for an idea and he performed a massive miracle with it. Are you with me today? I find that fascinating because that tells me that God can take my weak, ordinary, not that great ideas and he can do great things with it. I was really hoping you'd shout amen. Because we're, we're in a room today with a bunch of people that don't have a lot of great ideas. Right? 
We just, we, just have, we just have little things, little thoughts. Let me tell you something, God can take those thoughts and he can do amazing things with them. You really are important in God's plan. You really do need to get out what's in your heart and we see that in this miracle, all right? But I don't wanna talk about that today. That's not what I came here to talk about. I came to talk about the second thing that stands out to me in this story. Because Jesus says to his disciples, he, he thanks the Lord for the bread and the fish he begins to distribute it, and he says, I want you to go, and I want you to give everyone here as much as they want. I want everyone here to be content and filled, all right? Every single one of them. And then he gives them a very strange, specific, uh, somewhat overlooked instruction. In verse 12, he says this. He says, when they had enough to eat, Jesus told his disciples, now I want you to gather all of the pieces that are left over let nothing be wasted. He says, guys, I want you to take these huge 12 baskets and I want you to go around amongst these 15,000 people and I want you to go and collect all of those leftovers. I don't want anything wasted. Now, I, a lot of times we can just read it right over this because we've read this so many times. But don't you find that a little bit weird? Like, don't you find like, that a little bit strange? I mean, think about what's just gone down. Like Jesus just multiplied bread with no limitation. He's just multiplied it. Why do we need leftovers? I mean, what's the point of leftovers? If Jesus can multiply anything, why would he care about leftovers? Like Jesus, if you can create bread with your hands, like if, it, it, just, by, just by breaking bread, like you can, you can take five loaves and feed 5,000 people. If you can multiply and increase anything, why would you be concerned about leftovers? Jesus, why do I have to carry around this basket of leftovers? Why, why do you want me to carry this everywhere we go? And I think there's a lesson in here that Jesus was teaching his disciples and he's teaching us today that God is very interested, he's very particular, and he's very intentional about leftovers. Because when you think about leftovers, leftovers are for those who weren't there to get the meal firsthand. In other words, the leftovers weren't for the 5,000, all right? The leftovers were for the people outside of the 5,000, which tells me that the moment that Jesus began to break bread, the moment he began to break bread for the people that were there, he was also thinking about and recognizant of all the people that weren't there. Did you catch that? In other words, Jesus wasn't just feeding the people that made it to the service. He wasn't just feeding those who witnessed and saw the miracle. He wasn't just feeding those who were there at that particular moment, at that particular time. Jesus was there and he was thinking about those who didn't make it. He was thinking about those who were still at home, those who were still hungry. And Jesus intentionally kept producing more than they needed because he, he wanted to make sure there was enough for those that weren't there. Here's my point. There's a miracle for someone else in what you don't want. There's a miracle for someone else in what you have too much of. There's a miracle for someone else in what you don't need, what you don't like, what you can't use. There's a miracle in our leftovers. Are you hearing me today? There's a miracle in the things that we would just discard. I wonder maybe if this message couldn't cause us to wake up this morning to the waste in our lives. There's a lot of waste in Christianity. There's a lot of waste sitting in the church. There's a lot of waste in the world. I mean, just let's think about waste when it comes to food today. Every year in America, we throw away 160 billion pounds of food. Gosh, you guys are quiet today, man. 160 billion pounds of food we, we throw that that makes up about 40 percent 35 to 40 percent of of our entire food uh, um what we produce as as a nation that that's a lot of waste a quarter of what we throw away could feed the entire population of europe i mean that's a lot of waste so there's a lot of waste naturally in the world but but i i, I remember um, um growing up leftovers 
was the name of a weekly meal in our house. All right? Like, that, that, that's what it was. Like, 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 what we didn't consume on Monday night, my mom had all these, back in the 80s, like Tupperware came out. And they were Tupperware's olive green lids, all these different sizes, right? And so on Monday night, we would eat dinner, and whatever was left, we'd scrape it into that tidy little Tupperware. They had actually Tupperware clubs. My mom was a part of one. They would go, they'd go buy Tupperware together. Just women get together and look at Tupperware. How crazy the world was in the 80s. Anyways, so we, we put all of our leftovers in a little Tupperware cup, put it right there in the, in, in, in the uh, refrigerator, and then Tuesday would come, we'd get a fresh meal, and, and whatever was left over, we'd throw it in there Wednesday. By the end of the week, it was all these little Tupperware cups, all right? And there was no more food to be cooked. And so we would have what, what we called, what's for dinner tonight? Mom would say, leftovers. Leftovers. We'd pull out all that stuff and we would, we would start to, start to kick, uh, cook that all up. And, and it would be a mixture of all kinds of stuff. We'd have some spaghetti. We'd have some like crescent rolled hot dogs. We'd have some lasagna. We'd have some beans. Mix it all together. Leftovers. I mean, my family was good at making something out of nothing. That's what we did. And I think when we got married, I was so used to leftovers, I, I encouraged my wife because I know how expensive, all of a sudden I was realizing that it's, it's expensive buying food. I said, babe, make sure you make enough so we have leftovers. And so she would make a pot of beans because that's what we could afford at the time. Big old pot of beans and just a little tiny bit of meat just kind of mixed in there somewhere. And uh, it, was like, it was like you had to find it. You had to, you had to look, look hard enough, you'll find a little piece of meat down in there. But she made this big old pot of beans and we'd eat it on Monday and then we'd eat it on Tuesday and then we'd eat it on Wednesday. Every day was leftovers at our house, all right? We were grateful. It was hot and I was happy. That, that's all that mattered. But I, I, think, I think all of us get to a point in life where we don't want leftovers anymore. Some of you want leftovers all the time, but you're, you're just, you're just you're not, that's not true. Everyone's a hot, fresh meal. And, and sometimes you look in there and, and you have intentions of, of, of having leftovers. Like, like you'll leave the restaurant, would you like a doggy bag? Yeah, I'd like a doggy bag. You take it with you and you stick it in the refrigerator and, 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 and it's, it's there for a week and, it's go- and all of a sudden it's, it's, it starts to grow. It's growing hair, you name it. You never eat it, but you, but you name it. And, and now what's happened is, is we get to a point in life where instead of, of holding on to left, leftovers and treasuring the leftovers, now we scrape it into a waste bin because I've had enough of that. I don't need that. And what I've noticed is after pastoring for 20 plus years, I've noticed there's a lot of waste in the church. There's, there's a lot of waste in, in, in Christians' lives. And this principle of leftovers applies to spiritual food too. Jesus said that we ask him, give us this day our daily bread. And, and Jesus loves to provide us spiritual food to eat. And I, I think if we just kind of think about this church, for instance, you think about coming here on a Sunday, and, and I don't know if you realize just how, how um, pampered we actually are. Like, like we're so loved, we're so cared for, we're so supported, we're, we're so encouraged, we're so included, we're, we're so accepted. And I, I just began to think that if we could just take even a fraction of the banquet that's being served in the house of God, if we could just take a, a, a fraction of the grace, a fraction of the joy, a fraction of the love, a fraction of the faith and encouragement and impartation and empathy, if we could take even just a crumb from the banqueting table that we participate on a weekly basis and just throw it in the direction of someone that's not here this morning. If, if you could take the leftovers of what you receive that you don't need for you and give it to someone who was once you. See, we were the ones that weren't at the first sitting. We at one point were the ones that weren't there for the miracle. We were, we were the ones hoping for some leftovers. It reminds me of the Gentile woman. A Gentile woman would have been those non-Jewish people. Jesus came to save the Jews, all right? And this Gentile woman comes and asks Jesus for prayer. And you see it in Matthew 15, that the Bible says that a Canaanite woman came to him and cried out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terrible. And, And Jesus did not have an answer, did not answer her a word. So his disciples came to him and said, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. And Jesus answered, 
I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And the woman came and knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. And he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And she said, yes, it is, because even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And so here's this, this it's a kind of a weird story because it's like Jesus is implying that this woman is a dog begging for, from, for crumbs from the table. She's, she's outside of a Jewish descent. And so she says to Jesus, look, call me a dog. I actually don't mind being a dog. I'm happy to be a dog if I can just get a crumb of what you're serving these people. If I can just get a taste, all I want, this woman says, is some leftovers. I'm happy, from, I'm happy for a crumb from the table of what they don't need. So that story maybe should make us a little more intentional or more aware of how much we actually consume that goes beyond what we need. Like, how much do you need? I just begin to think about it. How much, how much do you consume on you that goes beyond what you need for you? How much, how much love do you need? I mean, let's just be honest for a minute. I want you to think about it. How much love do you need? How many people you need to tell you that you're loved? How much grace do you need? How much mercy do you need? How many times do you need to ask for forgiveness? How much compassion do you need? How much encouragement do you need to keep coming to church? How much do you need? Jesus said, give them what they want. And so Jesus wants to supply your need. All right, that's what he wants. He said, give them what, you, what they want. Give them what they need. But after you have eaten what you want, what you don't want is not to be thrown away. This is what Jesus tells his disciples. After they've gotten all they need, what they don't need, we're not tossing it. Because what you don't want and what you don't need is for someone else. What you don't want and what you don't need is called leftovers. And God uses leftovers. God specializes in leftovers. God uses leftovers to do a miracle for someone else. And so I think we need to get intentional about recycling the blessing, recycling what we've received. What you can't use, recycle it. Don't warehouse it, don't hoard it, don't keep it until it sours. I think that's why there's a bad smell in a lot of churches. It's a stale smell. There's a stale smell you get around some believers because they're hanging on to stuff way past the good before date. And rather than pass it along to someone else who would be glad for just a fraction of it, we store it until it's molded, it stinks, and it's good for nothing. We become, the church is filled with overfed and under-exercised Christians. So I wonder if we couldn't leave here thinking about leftovers. What if we left here thinking, you know, I don't need another person to text me about how much I'm loved. In a church like ours, you get told, texted, emailed. You get DMs, social media, all kinds of crazy sermons telling you how much you're loved. Maybe, maybe, I wonder if we couldn't walk out of here this morning and say, you know what, I've received in my lifetime probably a hundred plus texts, more texts than I need to survive. Texts of people telling me how wonderful I am and how much I'm loved and how much God loves me. And I think someone I know would think they died and gone to heaven for just one text like that. So we sit in a church like this, it's so encouraging, it's so uplifting, everybody's loving each other, it's over the top. And what ends up happening if we're not careful is we just end up recirculating the same encouragements to each other over and over again. It's like this massive, this massive spiritual smorgasbord, this miracle banquet that we all just sit down, we get to enjoy, and if we're not careful, we'll realize We'll find out that we've just sat down at this banquet and we're just eating all the time. And we're just blessing each other, encouraging each other, and we become so full and we become content. And then we just eat a little bit more and eat a little bit more and live off the fullness of that. And then without recognizing it, we methodically morph into this giant organized circle of love.
then without recognizing it, all of a sudden we realize, man, I'm not driven by compassion anymore. I'm driven by comfort. But let me remind you that there are many more people outside of this community that Jesus is interested in. He's not just interested in feeding you. He's interested in the discarded, overlooked, invisible, unknown people that walk around our world every day. He's looking to provide a miracle for them with your leftovers. You see, God's interested in more than just the 5,000 who showed up to hear what he had to say. Jesus was interested in those that weren't there to receive that miracle firsthand. And here, I want to let you know today that you're the lucky ones. You're lucky this morning because Jesus, you're here to see the miracle. You're here to taste and see. You're here to be a part of the banquet. You're part of the 5,000. But Jesus is not just concerned with those who are here this morning. He's not just concerned, actually, he, he's not just concerned that you receive grace. He's not just concerned that you receive forgiveness and that you receive faith. Actually, Jesus wants you to get your fill. He wants you to get more than you need. He, he wants to fill you up today, but I want you to notice something. He sent his disciples home with leftovers. And the reason he sent his disciples home with leftovers, it was for all the people that weren't there. It was for all the people that would never think that God or the church would even look their direction. You see, God is a master at building his church and building the kingdom with leftovers. He's brilliant at using leftovers to fill discarded people. There's a miracle waiting with the leftovers that you don't want. Remember the teaching about the banquet? It's a great story that Jesus told about this, the master of the feast and he decided he wanted to throw a party and so he had an invited list of people. And when you look at the list of people that he invited, they were, they were special people. I mean, they, 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 they had family, they, they, uh, they, they owned businesses, uh, they had property, they had land and um, he invited all of these special, important, privileged people to come to the banquet. And so when the time for the feast came, he sent out his staff. He says, I want you to go tell everybody that's been invited that now's the time to get the party started. Now's the time, get them to come in. And sadly, the staff went out and they began to invite, tell, the, tell these, these invited guests it's time to come, but they all had excuses. One of them said, you know, I'd love to come, but, but I'm really involved at work. I can't, I can't make it. Another said, I, I just got married and I, I can't really be away right now. And a, another said, you know, I just, I'm involved in a business transaction right now and I can't be there. And, and so the, the, the servants came back and told the master, master, we, we told everybody, man, it's, it's time for the party. But, but we went to all the invited people. We went to, went to all, of, all, all, all of the full people. Went to all the people on the invite list and they all said they were too busy and they had too much going on. They were too full. But instead of canceling the party, party, the master or God said, then forget those overfed people. Forget those full people. Go to the people who never dreamed they'd be invited in the first place. Go to the ones that were not included. Go to the discarded. Go to the leftover people. Go, go to the people that never would have dreamed to get an invitation. And so the, the, the staff came back and, and they said, hey, we've gone to all of the people. We've, gone to, we've, we've included those people that no one includes. We, we've loved those that, that no one has loved. We've invited people that no one ever invites. We've spent all day doing it, but, but there's still room. And so the master says, well, then spread, spread your love circle wider. I want you to go out into the highways and the byways. I want you to grab the poor, the blind, the lame, and those that have nothing, those who would never qualify. I want you to put them on the invite list and get them in the house. Look what it says in, Matthew, in Luke 14. It says, it says, go into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. I want you to look at that scripture because I figured something out about God. And when you look at a scripture like this, I want you to think about this. This shows us that God is not drawn to full things, but he's looking for something to fill. 
I'm gonna say that again. God's not drawn to full things, but he is looking for something to fill. God's not drawn to full people. He's not drawn to full churches. God's drawn to emptiness. Did you hear that today? And so if you'll start finding empty people, if you'll start finding empty places, if you'll start finding empty lives, God will fill those empty people, he will fill those empty places, and he will fill those empty lives. But if you stop finding those empty people, if you stop finding those empty places, if you stop finding those empty lives, God loses interest. I mean, think about all kinds of different illustrations of this, but the Bible says that, that Jesus left the 99 for the one. I want you to think, the 99, he left the 99 because they were safe, they were all gathered in, they were all comfortable, and so Jesus left the 99. He left the majority. A shepherd, he leaves the majority for the minority. It doesn't make sense. Like, that sounds dumb. Until you realize the heart of a shepherd. Because the heart of the shepherd is always for the ones that aren't there. A heart of the shepherd is always for the discarded people, the ones that aren't included, the ones that aren't accepted. The shepherd is always looking for the ones out on the highways, out on the byways. It's about the outsiders. That's the heart of a shepherd. And we make the mistake thinking it's all about us. Like this whole thing is all, is all about us. We begin to think that the church, it exists for us. That this whole thing that we're doing today, is, it's about us. But, but I, I just want to be honest with you. As your pastor, I, be, I just want to be very transparent, transparent with you. We are glad you're here. I'm grateful for every person today that walked into this building. I'm so grateful. Honestly, I'm grateful that you chose to sit at this banquet. Like that you've made that your selection. But we can't give ourselves too much to the people who are here and forget about the ones who aren't here. So I'm sure Jesus, on that day, when the 5,000 men, women, and children, 15,000 people are out there, I'm sure Jesus was ecstatic and he was happy for all of these people that were interested in what he had to say. But as we can tell from this miracle, he wasn't just concerned about them. He actually provided leftovers for those that didn't make it. And so I'm going to tell you right, right now and here today that we're not here at Elevate Ministries equipping you and growing you so that you can just get fat. We're not, we're not equipping you, growing you, just so you can get over full and over content. We're equipping you and growing you so that you can give it away. You see, the idea is to live full but die empty. So we're not here to live full, stay full, protect our fullness, get fuller and fuller and fuller. You know what happens when you get full, full, full? You become soft. You become soft. Soft Christians call things problems that aren't really problems. This breeds people that will pray for the lost but refuse to go where the lost are. Too busy enjoying the banquet getting fuller and fuller. Listen, that's not how God intended for your life to be. And chances are, if that's how you're living, you're dissatisfied. You're not happy. You're not happy. And so our tendency is to take the dissatisfaction that we feel and point it at a person, point it at a church, point it at a situation, but maybe the reason you feel lethargic, maybe the reason you feel dissatisfied and uninspired is just because you're too fat. Talking about spiritually, so no one get offended. You're dying of clogged arteries because you're overfed. You're too loved. You're too encouraged, you're too included, you're too blessed. You've, you've got too many messages coming at you every day telling you how loved you are. You know what you need to do? Tell the people that are constantly telling you, oh, you're so loved, you're so appreciated, oh, you're so... I don't need that anymore. Whatever I've done to cause you to think that I need your constant encouragement and constant, whatever I've done to cause you to feel that I need that, stop it. 
It's time for you to stop feeling that I need that. Some of you, I'm just gonna be honest with you. Some of you, everybody look right at me because I don't want anybody to think we're talking about them. Some of you, we love you. You're our friend, but you're high maintenance. Look at me. <laughs> you are killing us. You are wearing us out because we tell you more than anyone in our world that we love you but you're still fed up, you're still discouraged, you're still depressed, you're still miserable, even though we're showering you with love. See, the problem is this, you don't need more love. You actually need to go on a love diet. You need to go on a love, you're getting too much love. No one needs that much affirmation. No one needs that much acknowledgement. You've become a walking leftover mountain of love and it's killing you and it's killing us. Here's an idea, start giving some of that love away. Start helping someone else. Start serving someone else. Some of you have stockpiles of stuff that you couldn't use in a thousand lifetimes. Start giving some of it away. I'm going to tell you something. Your life will be massively different if you commit to leave this building this morning determined to start giving it away. To start giving it away. To start giving away all the stuff you don't need that you're keeping anyway. I want to tell you today there's a miracle in discarded things. There's a miracle in what you don't need. There's a miracle in your leftovers. And don't you find it amazing that we, we come to God a lot asking for stuff we don't need? Like we come on a weekly basis and we're asking God for stuff he's already given us. We'll beg God to give us stuff we've already got. Like, like we beg God for more faith. God, I need more faith, even though all we need is a mustard seed to move a mountain. And yet we're, we're constantly asking God for more, more, more. We come, we come to God asking for silly stuff. I think, I think some of us, we view God like the Wizard of Oz. Where you got the tin man, he's asking for a brain. And you got the, you got the scarecrow, and, he, and he's asking for courage. And you got the lion, and he's asking for a heart. I'm asking, asking the wizard for, for these things. But here's the thing, they didn't know that, that, that in order to find courage and heart and brains, they didn't need the wizard. In order to get that stuff, they needed a witch. You see, the witch is the one that brought out the courage in the scarecrow, all right? The witch is the one that brought out the brains in the tin man, all right? If I'm getting it wrong, forgive me. <laughs> God's good. I'll watch the movie later. <laughs> the witch is the one who brought out the heart of the lion. I think in a, in a similar way, I think we show up at church and we treat God like somehow he's the Wizard of Oz and we ask him for things that he's already given us. Like in excess of, Lord, just give me the courage I need. Lord, I just, I just want courage. And God's like, no, you, you don't need courage. You need a problem. I'll give you a problem. You don't need God to give you courage, guys. You already have courage. The problem is, is your life is too safe for you to use it. So God's not gonna send you courage, he's gonna send you trouble. And the trouble will bring out the courage inside of you. Do you hear that? I would come to God, Lord, give me a heart. Lord, I need a heart for worship. I need a heart of worship. I need a heart for people. Give me a heart of love. And God's like, wait a second, I already did that. I replaced your heart of stone and gave you a brand new heart of flesh. And so I'm not gonna give you a new heart. I'm gonna send you stuff that's gonna make you use it. I'm gonna give you things to worship me about. I'm gonna give you things that cause you to be more adoring of me. And so here's, here's what you need to grab a hold of. God's not gonna, God's not the wizard. Just gonna, just gonna. What God does is he sends you problems and witches. He sends you problems and witches to get out the brilliance, to bring out the strength, to bring out the love and the grace that could never ever be exposed with blessings and friends. See, the Bible says that he's given us everything we need. Aren't you grateful for that? Everything we need for life and, guard, 
and godliness. And as we read the miracle of the 5,000, you, you begin to recognize this, is Jesus gives you all that you want. He's happy for you to come to his table and receive all that you want, but that's not all he gives you. He also provides leftovers. He provides leftovers. God's given you leftovers so that you can reach everyone he loves. And so they're, if they're not here this morning, it's not because God's overlooked them. If they're not here this morning, it's not because God's not thinking of them. Actually, he is thinking of them. And, and the reason we know that is because he's providing you more than you need so that you can provide leftovers for someone that's not here. I think it's time for the church to stop praying about stuff we have no intention of changing. come together we pray for the lost we call them from the north the south the east and the west we bind demons we 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 we, we cast down strongholds we do it over and over and over again nothing changes why because we're praying for things that god gave us the leftovers to fix how about we take what we don't need and give it away see that's the call today because God provides us all that we need. He provides all that we need. Maybe, maybe you're here today. Maybe we can just close our eyes all over this room just for a moment. Maybe all over this room just for a moment. You can close your eyes and you say, you know, I found myself here. Every one of us, when we came to Christ, we came empty. I remember, I remember coming to Christ as a young man and I had tried my best to fill myself I tried to fill myself with friendships. I tried to fill myself with things. I tried to fill myself with accomplishments. I was just trying to fill myself and I could never get full. I always, I always was left wanting more. I always felt empty inside. But it wasn't until I gave my life to Jesus and all of a sudden, Jesus entered my life. I invited his presence into my life. Jesus came into my life and I'm telling you what, he filled me. He filled me to full capacity. Like all the things that I'd been longing for and thinking would fix me, thinking would, would satisfy me, thinking that would complete me, nothing worked. But when I gave my life to Christ, he came in, inside and all of a sudden I felt full and satisfied for the very first time. And so maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And what I'm explaining to you, you feel today. Like you've tried through relationships, through accomplishments, through different things, you've tried to get your life to become satisfied. You think, well, if I just did this or I just had that, well, then I'd be happy. But then you get that and you get the thing and you get the person and you're still left wanting. Let me tell you why. Because there's an emptiness inside of every person that only Jesus can fill. That only Jesus can fill. And maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I need, I need that presence to fill my life. If you're here today, that presence is available to you. And all you have to do is ask and you'll receive. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I'd like to give my life to Jesus and invite his presence to fill my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand all over this place? I'd love to pray with you this morning. Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? Side to side, front to back. Come on, all over this place. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? just a second longer, front to back, side to side, anyone at all. You say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want, I want to be filled. He fills us with every good and perfect thing that comes from him. If that's you, you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Anyone at all, side to side, front to back. Amen. Amen. Well, then I want to talk to everyone else in the room today. I'll talk to you today. You can look up at me right, right now. God provides you more than you need. We talk about it all the time. We've heard testimonies time and time again about people that God has changed. He's satisfied. He's done a miracle in. How many of you have been touched by the master? How many of you have experienced the love of God? God always gives you more than you need, but it's not so that it can be wasted. The reason God gives you leftovers is for the people in your world that aren't here, that don't haven't experienced the miracle, that have never have never crossed paths with Jesus. God gives you the leftovers so that you can provide it to them, that you can be a miracle for someone else. I want to challenge everyone in this room today. Let's give it away. 
Let, let's give away what God's done in our lives. Can we work together to begin to give it away? Let's, let's be the miracle for someone else in our community. Let's be the miracle for the person in our family. Let's be the miracle for our coworker, our neighbor, our family, our friend. Let's not just come to church every Sunday and just ask God for more. Give me more, give me more, give me more. There comes a time where if you're not careful, you just realize I'm just overstuffed. I'm, I'm just content. I'm, I'm full. Listen, God's not drawn to full things, but he does desire to fill things. And so our goal is to empty ourselves to be filled once again. How many of you say, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to begin to empty out what God's placed in me. I'm going to empty it out to the world around me. If that's you, would you stand your feet all over this room? Would you just stand your feet all over this room? Let's pray this out. Let's just pray this out this morning. Allow Brenda lead us in a, in a worship song together. Father, we thank you today. Lord, that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. It comes from you. Lord, we recognize that we can search this world far and wide and we can, we can accumulate as much as we can possibly accumulate. We'll never be happy. But Lord, we thank you, Lord, that the, a moment with you provides a lifetime of change. Lord, that when you enter a life, Lord, you enter it to the fullest. God, we thank you today that the hungry will be filled. We're thankful, Lord, that the thirsty, Lord, the thirst will be quenched. We thank you that that happens because of the miracle of salvation and I pray Lord over every person in this room that's been filled with your presence that's been filled with your power that's been filled with faith and courage and boldness and, and affirmation and love and grace and mercy Lord we've been filled not to keep it to ourselves we've been filled to give it away Lord I pray that we would do that in Jesus name come on would you ask the Lord help me God this week I'm gonna give it away Lord this week I'm gonna use it what you've given me I'm gonna give it away oh thank you Lord come on thank you Lord let's give the Lord some praise can we all over this room Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Come on, sing this out today. Come on, sing it. Him and his wife and he's got kids and, 
and I'm thinking people down the street, man, that guy needs, that guy needs the Lord. The people next to me, they need the Lord. There's people all around us that would love just a crumb of the goodness of God that you and I experience every week. What an incredible message. God, I thank you so much for what you've spoken to us today. Lord, I thank you for our pastor, Lord, who, is, who, is, who can find these things within scriptures, Lord, and make it alive to the rest of us. God, I pray that we go from this place, Lord, with, with this overflow, Lord, the understanding of the overflow of your goodness in our lives, Lord, that we get to experience here week by week, Lord, a family of love, a family where we love each other and encourage each other and, and, and help each other, Lord. Pray, help us to take that, to take what we've received, Lord, so much more than we can ask or think, Lord, what is what you've done in our lives and what you're doing in our lives. So, Lord, help us to take it and to give it away, to give it to those around us who need it. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you give us opportunity. Maybe ask the Lord right now, give me opportunity. Give me opportunities this week, Lord, starting maybe today or tomorrow at my job, on my street, in the gym, wherever I am at. Give me opportunity to share some of what you've given to me so that I can put, I can put, plant that seed in someone else, Lord, that it can begin to grow. And every time I talk to them, they're, they're reminded, man, there's something, there's something that you have that I need more of. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would fill this church, fill this church, Lord Jesus, with people that are empty and needing you. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. We love you in this place. So much love. But let's take it out and give it away. God bless you. We'll see you again very, very soon. Take care.